Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 18, and we are recording on Wednesday, January 31st. I am Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hello, Rincey. How are you doing today? I'm all right. I uh, was in California last weekend, and so I feel like I'm still slightly on a California high, even though it's not, obviously I'm not in California anymore, but I feel like that post-vacation high is still going a little bit for me. So I'm in a better mood than I usually am. <laughs> you can't see my face right now, but it just it just immediately, as soon as you said you were in California, I was like, what? <laughs> I want to go to California. Honestly, so this is like my own personal life hack. I think everyone should schedule a vacation in either January or February because maybe this is just for Chicago or like people who live in like these sorts of areas. But I feel like the winter is so brutal. And by like mid-January, it's you're over it. So I always try to schedule some sort of vacation to a slightly warmer. It's not always like I went to San Francisco, so it wasn't like... 80 degrees or anything like that. It was like in the 50s, but it felt fantastic to be in 50 degree weather for a while. Um, So yeah, a personal life hack is to try to schedule vacations in like January or February to like a slightly warmer location. Yeah, I have been, well, especially over the last few weeks, but I've, I've, I've really been wishing that I had had the foresight to schedule a schedule a, tr- a trip down to New Orleans. I was like, oh, it would probably be so much nicer down there right now. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. <sighs> okay. Well, <laughs> I'm going to recover from my jealousy um, and tell all of you wonderful listeners about the podcast. If this is your uh, first time listening, listening in to us, we talk about mysteries, suspense, novels, thrillers, true crime, adaptations, um, other mystery news in the world um yeah pretty much we we talk about it all and so we we cover cover different topics on each show if there's a particular news item or a um topic or just a kind of a genre that you would be interested in hearing more about or if you have questions about any recommended reads that you'd like that you would uh like to know more about or get recommendations for um you can you can hit us up because we love hearing suggestions from everyone and we're and yeah we're always we're always looking for for new ideas and things that people are interested in hearing about because if you're interested in hearing about it we're probably interested in look in reading into it so we love suggestions um so yeah like i said uh hit us up if you have any ideas or comments or feedback or anything like that and with that um I'm going to pass it over to you, Rincey, to kick us off on our uh, on our news segment. Yeah, so we have a couple of news items to uh, talk about. Uh, the first one, uh, just going to mention really quickly, Illusion of Justice, which is a book by Jerry Butting, who was one of the lawyers for Stephen Avery from the Netflix documentary Making a Murderer. Um, so that book that he wrote is being adapted into uh, ABC legal drama. And so it's a little bit... 
of a circle. I called it a circle of adaptations uh, in our show notes just because it's a TV legal drama based on this book written by the lawyer that sort of surrounds the making of a murder documentary. So the series is being described as equal parts legal, procedural, and family drama, uh, focusing on a husband and wife who balance raising their children with running a criminal defense firm, uh, specializing in underdog clients who face ostensibly, wow, that was a hard word for me to say, uh, insurmountable odds in the judicial system. Uh, So it won't be like focusing specifically on like the making a murderer situation, although I imagine that they're going to probably touch on it a little bit at some point, uh, because that is a reason why a lot of people would tune in. But overall, it just sounds like it's going to be a general ABC legal drama, which I'm kind of okay with. Um, So yeah, that is just a thing we wanted to mention. There's no specific information about it out yet, just because ABC has just announced that they're developing it. So it may or may not get picked up to be on the air. We don't know anything about that for sure. Um, So yeah, that is a thing that you guys can have on your radar. And if you want, you can pick up Illusion of Justice by uh, Jerry Bunting if you are interested. All right. And then I think... Not last week. It was the week before. I think it was like right after we recorded our our last podcast episode. The uh, Edgar Award nominees were announced for 2018. Um, The Edgar Awards are the main uh, literary awards for mystery and true crime writers. They're you know they're they're a big deal, and. So uh, we wanted to make sure that we talked about, you know, just some of the books that are nominated. The awards themselves, I want to say the awards themselves are announced in, uh, the website says April, end of April. Um, so only only a few more months until we find out who the winners are. But at any rate, the the nomination lists are always interesting. And there are multiple books that we have talked about on this um on this show for the last you know eight or nine months there um they the dime by kathleen kent bluebird bluebird by attica Locke, and a rising man by abir Mukherjee are all nominated for for best novel which was really cool um american fire and killers of the flower moon are nominated for best i think they call it factual crime basically true crime um, but we were, uh, Rinsey and I, I know you and I were talking before we started recording, and I'll mention it here. There are some titles on the list that we're looking at going, yeah, these are good books, but are they really mysteries? Like the, was it the 12 Lives of Samuel Hawley is listed on there, which I have heard some people describe as a mystery. We might have mentioned this on the show before at some point, because now that I'm talking about it, this this conversation sounds kind of familiar. But my understanding of that book was that it was much more literary fiction with maybe a couple of like mysterious elements to it, but definitely not an outright mystery. Um, and a couple of the books that were nominated for Best Young Adult Mysteries, there was The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas and Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. And I have not yet read Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. I know the premise of it, and I know, and I think there's something big that happens at the end, so I won't, I won't talk about that one because I don't have experience, direct experience with it. Um, and, but I mean, as much love as I have for The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, which is, we've mentioned multiple times just through random things about how amazing this book is, never, I never would have categorized it as a mystery. It talks about crime and police brutality and 
topics that are very timely and I think, you know, intersect with crime in interesting ways. But it's definitely not a mystery. So I'm interested to learn more and see kind of what direction the awards are going. Like, you know, are they purposely broadening their scope? Um, or are we just all of a sudden just, yeah, like, I'm interested to, to to hopefully learn more about how some of these titles were nominated and then ultimately finding out which titles end up winning for their different categories. Um, but if you are interested in seeing the full list of nominations for the Edgar Awards, we will have a link in the show notes um, that you can access. And um, so, and I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about once the awards are actually are actually announced. But um, at any rate, the nominee lists are up and I think it'll give us plenty to chew on over the next few months. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. I will say I did read Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds, and I can see that one slightly more than Hate You Give uh, being featured in this one. When I saw this one, I was when I saw that it was on the nomination list, I was a little surprised. But then when I thought about it, I was like, no, it kind of makes sense because the entire book is it, it feels slightly like a suspense book uh, because you are following this character who find um, his brother is shot and so he decides that he is going to basically take revenge and kill the person who killed his brother uh, but the entire book takes place in the elevator ride as he rides from like his elevate from his like apartment down to the first floor um, so it's like it's a relatively short book it's written in verse so it has like this really interesting rhythm to it but it's very like suspenseful as you're like watching him sort of like go through through the elevator and like things happen along the way um, and stuff is revealed. So that one kind of like it's a, that one I would say is kind of in the gray area leaning towards I can kind of see it hate you give I don't really understand why it's on there but part of me is wondering like when I was looking through the list one of the things I always liked about the Edgar Awards is they've always been very diverse in terms of the um, authors um, in terms of like ethnicities and things like that and part of me is wondering I feel like with young adult especially mysteries it's very hard to find non-white authors and part of me is wondering if they're conscious of that and so they broaden their scope slightly more so that way they could potentially consider more wide range of authors as opposed to just the stuff that always gets featured that's a really interesting point um I yeah. don't know if it's true or not. That's me completely speculating, but just kind of looking at the way the list always turns out. Like there's always like if you look through it in every category, I believe I'm not sure about like television and stuff like that because I don't really know um, the people who wrote those shows. But for the most part, if you look at the books, like they are very good about always including at least one non-white author, it seems like for all of the categories. I think I don't know all of these authors, obviously, but it seems that's from what I can tell. So I, that could be a possibility. Yeah, that and that would be really cool if they if that's if that's the their you know if that was intentional. Um, but and yeah, and interesting to hear about Long Way Down. I've had that one on my list for so long. But yeah, that one seemed more gray area than the Hate You Give. But uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll have to wait and wait and find out more. All right. And then the last news item that we wanted to talk about is this other prize that was recently announced. And it's a prize for thrillers in which no woman is beaten, stalked, sexually exploited, raped or murdered. Um, so this was originally reported in The Guardian. Um, and we'll have a link to this as well as uh, the Jezebel article that we originally saw it in um, in the show notes. And so this is being called the Staunch Book Prize. And the winner will be announced um on November 25th, it'll be open to entry starting next month. And it'll 
It's basically a 2,000 pound prize pot. And what they're doing is they're basically talking about how violent thrillers and mysteries especially are towards women. And so they are opening up this book prize to sort of encourage authors and writers to utilize mystery plots without using those same old cliches of especially harming uh, female characters, even though, you know, in showing that it's not necessary to write a good plot that has that element in it. Um, So it'll be really interesting to sort of see how this all goes down. And also the winners are being uh, announced coinciding with International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, which is another reason why, you know, they're sort of doing all of this. It's really, again, just interesting to see prizes like this sort of pop up. And I think it'll be interesting to see sort of who submits uh, books for nominations, who ends up getting nominated and who eventually will win. Um, It's definitely one that both of us will probably be paying attention to over the next couple of months to see how things go down. Um, I know Katie put this in our show notes. And so one of the quotes from Jezebel that she uh, highlighted is that it says, um, bet half of the entries are from guys whose books don't qualify but submit anyways, which is probably going to be true. So good luck to those judges who have to uh, go through all of those. But I mean, as some people who read a lot of mysteries and thrillers, I'm sure we're all aware of how often we see violent things happen to women. Um, and yeah, it'll be just interesting to see what sort of books end up popping up. And I, cause I was even thinking about the types of books that we read or that I read on a regular basis. And I feel like at least half of them, if not more, especially the ones that fall into the more thriller side of things are often uh, filled with stuff like women being killed or raped and things like that. Yeah, this this will be a really interesting one to keep an eye on. And I know um, if you um, are a regular Book Riot reader or subscriber to newsletters or anything like that, you have probably already seen this pop up a few times. I know a lot of uh, rioters have been talking about this, but we definitely wanted to highlight that. And yeah, when I stop to think about it, I'm thinking of a lot of the books that I've read and even the ones, you know, that are, you know, written by women or they have a really strong feminist edge. And I'm like, yeah, there's still that element to it. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that, you know, if it has that element that it's automatically a bad book or anything like that. But it's very, you know, it, it's kind of eye opening when you think about how prevalent this is in um, in our in our literature. Um, so before we get to the main segment of the show, I we wanted to do our first sponsor, and I I claimed this sponsor because I am so excited about it. The book is Before I Let Go by Marika Nykamp. And if you recognize that name, you're probably recognizing her name from the young adult book, This Is Where It Ends, which was published in 2016. And I think yeah, it spent over 60 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. And this book was huge. Um, but this is her this is her second book. And it follows best friends Corey and Kyra, who are inseparable. They live in the they live in the very cold, snow covered town of Lost Creek, Alaska. And when Corey moves away, she makes Kyra promise to stay strong during their long, dark winter and wait for her return. And just days before Corey is set to return home, Kyra dies. Corey is devastated. She's confused. The entire community is speaking in hushed tones about the town's lost daughter. And Corey knows that something is wrong. The town is keeping secrets, chilling secrets. 
but piercing together the truth about what happened may prove as difficult as lighting the sky in an Alaskan winter. Um, the book... Uh, the book itself has this this mystery and what a lot of readers and reviewers have described as this very kind of atmospheric, almost creepy, chilling sort of story. But it also addresses really important and timely issues that concern teens and young adult audiences like neurodiversity, sexuality, suicide. These are all uh, going to be big conversation starters. The setting of Lost Alaska is really portrayed as its own character, and it gives the reader a very deep, rich, unique background for the for the story. Um, the author is a member of the We Need Diverse Books group and Diversity YA. She's a really strong advocate of, of diverse books for young adult audiences. Um, and I just have to say that her first book, This Is Where It Ends, was my favorite book that I read in 2016. It broke my heart in so many pieces like no other book has done before. It's a, it's another young adult book about a school shooting, which, yeah, I, I still have not pieced myself back together after reading that one. So um, I have not yet read um, Before I Let Go. I do have a copy sitting at home that, I've, that uh, I really need to bump up to the top of my list. Um, but if you are looking for you know, we were just we were just mentioning that we you don't get as many diverse types of YA mysteries. So if you're looking for something with a lot of different of interesting angles um, for teen readers, definitely check out "Before I Let Go" by Marika Nykamp. And thank you so much for sponsoring the show. All right. Uh, so for the main topic of this episode, we were talking a little bit about what we wanted to uh, discuss in upcoming episodes, and one of the things that I realized was that this episode was going to be dropping in the first couple of days of February and February here in the United States is Black History Month. And so in to sort of celebrate that, we thought it'd be interesting to talk about mysteries and thrillers by black authors um, and specifically black authors who aren't Walter Mosley and Attica Locke, just because we love those guys and we talk about them all the time. But the thing is, is we always just talk about them. They sort of become the default almost in the mystery world when talking about uh, the types of books that are out there by non-white authors or specifically by black authors. Um, so we sort of challenged ourselves uh, to either find new to us or just new in general black authors who write mysteries and thrillers or just find books in general that would fall into this genre that aren't necessarily as well known or just are ones that could use more recognition and things like that. Um, so each of us has two books that we're going to talk about, I believe. Um, so Katie, do you want to start with your first one? Yeah. Um, so the first the first book um, that I want to talk about is Hollywood Homicide by Kelly Garrett. And I think we briefly mentioned this book um, on the episode where we talked about cozy mysteries. Um, but I only just now got around to actually reading it. And this is the first book in in a series by by author Kelly Garrett. And the main character's name is Dana. She is a quote unquote retired actress in L.A. 
And she's run into, you know, she's basically unemployed. She's doing temp jobs. She has very, very little disposable income to her name. And her parents are also on the verge of having their house foreclosed. And she really, she's, you know, terrified that they're, that they're going to be evicted from their, from their house. And so she wants to help them with that. And one day she sees a billboard that says there's a $15,000 reward for information uh, leading to the uh, for information about a recent murder of this this young woman who was hit in the streets, and she realizes when she's looking at the billboard that um, she and her friends were at the time unaware of this, but they actually witnessed the murder happening. They they saw this this girl get hit by this car while they while they were out driving themselves. So she thinks, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and get information, solve solve the murder. Get the fifteen thousand dollar reward. My parents' house will be saved. I'll have you know. I'll have a little money in my bank account, and all will be well. Um, problem is that she is not particularly uh, good at crime solving. <laughs> She's this. When I was reading it, I was thinking about uh, the Stephanie Plum series from Janet Ivanovich. It very much has that type of feel. This this woman who is kind of becomes a crime, uh, she becomes, a, she's an amateur detective, but she really has no business being an amateur detective, but she kind of gets gets through it anyway. And she has two friends that kind of help her out along the way. And there's lots of, it's, it's a really fun book. It's, there's lots of fashion and, you know, Hollywood is in the title. So there's lots of, you know, talk of celebrity lifestyle and yeah, fashion designers and movie premieres and all this other stuff. But she really, the story still feels grounded and relatable. Like you relate to, you relate to the main character, Dana, and you realize that, yeah, you know what, if I were put in this situation, I'd probably be bumbling through it just like she is. And the, the story takes a bunch of different, a bunch of different twists. She thinks she finds, she finds out who did it like four or five different times. It's always this new person. So you're never quite sure of where the story's going to go, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, if you were looking for, or if you're looking for something to kind of to spice up your, you know, if you're a fan of cozy mysteries or mysteries that don't involve a lot of explicit violence, um, there is there is a little there's there's a there's a little um, sexual content, but nothing nothing too uh, nothing too dramatic or eyebrow raising, at least not for me. But <laughs> I'll. I'll <laughs> I'll let you be the judge of that. Um, but anyway, there's not much explicit violence. It's just a really fun, lighthearted read. And I think the second book in the series is coming out sometime this year, if it has not come out already. Um, I think it's later in the year. But anyway, there's a second book coming out soon. So if you like the first one, you'll have you'll have more to look forward to very shortly. And again, that is Hollywood Homicide by Kelly Garrett. And that's Kelly spelled K-E-L-L. Y E. At least I hope that's how you pronounce her first name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I would guess too. All right. Uh, so for my first book, I'm going to talk about a book that might be well known. It's pretty much a bestseller at this point, but it's a book that I adore with all of my heart. And it's Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. This is a nonfiction book. And if you aren't aware, Brian Stevenson is a lawyer and he is now the uh, founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, which is a legal practice dedicated to uh, defending 
the people who are like most in need, they're usually poor, wrongly condemned, um, often women or like children who have fallen into the criminal justice system or adults who were originally charged as kids and have just, you know, stayed in jail for their whole lives. Um, And in this book, Brian Stevenson sort of looks at the justice system as a whole and talks about the way that it's broken, uh, the way that it discriminates against specifically like those people, the poor, um, usually people of color, usually just uneducated people, um, and how it can really fail uh, people who fall into those marginalized groups. Um, And one of the main cases that he talks about throughout the book, although he touches on a couple of different cases he's worked on through his career, um, is this guy named Walter McMillan, who is a young man sentenced to death um, for a murder that he says he did not commit. And so you follow Brian as he investigates what happened with uh, this case as well as what happened in the previous trials for Walter McMillan because he comes in like as he's on death row. Um, And you sort of see just all of the ways the legal system was working against against him and, you know, even the failings of the lawyers who worked on cases and not doing, you know, the due diligence that you would want for any lawyer to do. Um, it's heartbreaking, but also like Brian Stevenson has so much hope and optimism about what law can do and what the government can do and things like that, that you don't feel like completely just heartbroken i mean you do end up heartbroken but he also provides the hope of like doing better and what we can do as a people and as a country and as individuals to try to make the system better and try to make the world around us a better place um yeah i love 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 this book i've become like completely obsessed with brian stevenson after reading this book i've like even seen him speak live because I think that he is just doing such a great thing with this organization and with this book and bringing awareness to um, cases like this that people may not be quite so aware of. Um, I think that if you read True Crime, you might have some sense of like there's injustices in within the justice system. But I feel like he does a really good job of highlighting those injustices, but again, also talking about ways that we can fix it and the ways that we can make it better. So it's not just things are hopeless. It's mostly just, it's more like, you know, these things are bad and we need to work at making them better. So if you haven't read this book yet, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Like even people I know who don't typically read mysteries, thrillers or true crime or anything like that, I recommend this book to literally everyone. Like there isn't a single person out there who I think should not read this book. Everyone should read this book. Yeah, I've had that book on my radar for a little while, but like I was aware of it, but I didn't. I wasn't aware of like exactly what what it went into. So that that sounds so interesting. Um. So that another one add to my reading list. <laughs> I know. Just this is the problem with our podcast is that it just makes us want to read more books than we had before. <laughs> my Goodreads list is just crying. It's just begging for mercy at this point. Um. So the second. Uh, author that I wanted to talk about. I unfortunately did not get a chance to read one of uh, one of her books before we recorded this episode. Um, I had a couple of other assigned readings that I forgot about and surprised me in the last week or so. I went, oh, I've got to get to those. But anyway, 
The author's name is Eleanor Taylor Bland, and she wrote the Marty McAllister series, um, which was, was first published in the early 90s. And then I think the last book was published like 2005 or something along those lines. But she, overall, I think she's she's kind of established as a as a classic, as as one of the classic mystery authors, but definitely a classic African American mystery author, and I also wanted to to talk about her because she actually, for a big portion of her life, she actually lived in the same town where I work, where the the library where I work. She lived in that town. I believe she may have. I could be wrong, but I'm about 99% sure that at one point she served on the library's board of directors or on the on the foundation board or board of trustees or something like that, which I thought was super cool. But um, so she in her series, Marty McAllister is this female cop from south from the south side of Chicago, and she's transferred to this small fictional town of Lincoln Prairie, Illinois, which is in fact based on the town where Eleanor Taylor Bland lives and I now work, um, which I which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but the the character Marty is really what sets her series apart because she's presented as this tough cop, but she's also has this very gentle and kind streak. She's She's a good Samaritan, but she doesn't come across as being, you know, like a, you know, a, a perfect character or a cliche. She has a lot of nuances and she really, her character really looks out for the, for the marginalized people in her community, children, the elderly, the impoverished. Um, she looks out for animals. I think she just really, she really has this good hearted streak, but she is also a very tough and capable police officer, which I, I think is fantastic. And her series is also noted because, you know, it's this kind of gritty, this kind of gritty urban mystery series, but it also looks at, intersections of race and gender and class. And I, uh, I read, I don't remember if it was a review or something that said, or something that she said about her own books, but they look at different issues like slice of life issues within the African American communities, which I thought, which I thought was so interesting. And so I will, um, so I'm going to be adding, adding again, her, one of, one of her books to the, to the top of the list so I can experience this for myself. But the first book in the series is called Dead Time. And Marty is asked to investigate the sudden death of an old woman named Dorsey, who lives at the Kramer Hotel and whose loud music frequently disturbed the other residents living at the hotel. And now she has to figure out, you know, why did this woman die? Did one of these people kill her? And it's her the more i read about her as an as an author as a person the more i read about her care about the character of marty McAllister, it just it just seemed like such a such a, a fascinating nuanced portrait of of this you know this this particular type of community or this particular type of town and it's one that i mean i don't i don't know if like I said, I know she's kind of, she's listed as a classic author, but I don't know how much 
modern readers are are still reading her books. So um, again, if this sounds like something that's up your alley, uh, the author's name is Eleanor Taylor Bland. Um, this, the series character is Marty McAllister, and the first book in the series is called Dead Time. All right. And then the second book that I'm going to talk about today is 40 Acres by uh, Dwayne Alexander Smith. This book came out in 2014, and this is a thriller that um, I had heard about a couple of years ago, and I've sort of just had on my radar ever since. Um, and this book was so good. I just finished it like today, right before recording it, uh, this episode, just because I was running out of time and I need to finish this book. But also it was, I just didn't start it early enough because if I had started this over the weekend, I think I would have devoured it completely in one day. Um, so this is again, a thriller. And you are following this character named Martin Gray, who is a young black lawyer who um, ends up do he works with uh, one other person and they operate this sort of small law firm and they end up getting sort of like a high profile case at the beginning. Um, and the case is against this other lawyer named Damon, who is sort of like Johnny Cochran, almost type lawyer. Um, he like has like this unbeatable record and things like that. So uh, he thinks he's going to lose, but then he ends up winning the case and then he ends up becoming friends with Damon. Um, Damon, you know, very successful, works a very upper class, things like that, uh, decides to take Martin into his inner circle of friends who are filled with these other very successful uh, black people in the community. So there's like CEOs of companies as well as like real estate moguls and things along those lines. So very much like these upper class, very successful black men. Um, and they slowly become friends over time. Time. And then Damon invites um, Martin out to a basically like camping whitewater rafting trip. But then once they get to the trip, Martin realizes that something's up and it turns out that these men, these black men are part of a secret society and Things just get crazier from that point forward. Um, if you read the synopsis on like Goodreads or in the sleeve, it tells you more about what is happening with the secret society. But I think it's better if you go into this knowing even less than what's in the synopsis. So I would say just don't read any more into this book um, because I think that the reveals are fantastic. Um, so I went into this book completely blind. Like I didn't even read the synopsis before I went into it. I just knew it was a thriller um, and it blew my mind. The chapters in here are really short. Um, they are sometimes as short as like two pages and I don't think there are there's a couple of chapters that are maybe like 10 pages, but most of them fall within the three to five page range. So it's very much a page turner. Um, a lot of the chapters end on cliffhanger, so it makes you want to keep reading. So this is a great book if you're like on vacation or you just want something very like page turnery. Um, Dwayne Alexander Smith also works as a screenwriter. And so that is definitely apparent in this book because you can definitely see everything that's happening in here. Um I will say this book deserves a slight trigger warning. It isn't like super violent, but there are specific scenes in here that are very difficult to read um, just because, again, you can very much visually see everything that he's writing about. And so there are just a couple of scenes that are really tough. But the great thing about this book is that there are some really, really interesting discussions about race and uh, the relationship between black people and white people and like 
even conversations about like what reparations look like and things like that and uh, what black people deserve after what they've gone through, you know, with slavery and things like that. And the discussions that they have in here are really, really fascinating um, in terms of like slavery and things like that, just because of the way things go down. Um, So reading this book, it was really interesting because like the first part of the book, I was like, okay, this this feels a little obvious. Like it's very clear from the beginning that something's off and it's very clear. And I, even as they're, you're reading the book, you're like, okay, I can kind of see what they're setting up. But the second half of the book, he sets up a lot of things and then he turns it on the head. So you think it's going to go one way and then it goes the other way. And so you read this book continually going, what the heck is going to happen now? Because you think it's going in one direction and then he turns it and you're just like, oh my gosh, now everything's completely upside down and this is not at all where I expected it to go. So it was so much fun to read. Um, The ending might infuriate a couple of people. I could definitely see that. But I just thought this was a really, really interesting, fun book. Um, We were talking about it like slightly in the book riot back channels the other day because um jamie who runs the mystery and thriller newsletter and um she started reading this as well after i'd mentioned it um in the slack and she mentioned that it's a very good sort of it's a very good but not exact read-alike for if you like the movie get out uh, because it has that sort of like social commentary thing going on and a very interesting sort of race commentary going on um so if that's an aspect if you watch get out and you enjoyed it which i can't imagine anyone watching get out and not enjoying it um and you kind of want a book that gives you something to chew on when it comes to race uh this would definitely be a great one to pick up but also just in general this was a really fun thriller like this would be the perfect beach read like on vacation you just want something that turns pages and like lets you forget about where you're sitting um this is definitely a book worth picking up holy cow (laughs) you had me at secret society and page turner and twists and then you said it was a, a great read alike for get out and i am i was just as soon as you mentioned that i pulled up my phone going does my library have this if not can i get a copy of it like right now so a thing i re- so i got a hardcover from uh, the library. And so I was literally lugging this hardcover back and forth on the train from work. And then Jamie mentioned while we were talking about it that it's on Hoopla as an audiobook. So if you have Hoopla, look, it is? I'm pretty sure you will have it as an audiobook. So I got it as an audio and it's great. I listened to the second half on audio because after I learned that, I was like, I don't have to lug this hardcover around anymore. And it's a great audiobook too. The narrator is fantastic. Oh, I have access to Hoopla through my home library. I am pulling that up. Oh my goodness, <laughs> you have just made my night because I'm on. The, I'm about to finish the current audiobook that I'm listening to, and I'm like, oh, what am I going to listen to next? Yep, you just helped me. Thank you so much. No problem. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that in the future episode. <laughs> oh yes. All right. So those are all of the books that we wanted to talk about for that segment. So let's uh, before we do new releases, let me talk about our second sponsor for the episode, and that is Girl Unknown by Karen Perry. What would you do if a young woman appears on your doorstep claiming to be your daughter from an earlier relationship? How would your family react? Would you bond together or fall apart? The Conley family has their world turned upside down when this situation arises. Told from two points of view, the husband and the wife, it leaves you with the question, who do you really know? So this is a thrilling page turner where you meet this picture perfect family whose lives are uprooted by the arrival of this mystery girl. Um, And from there, flaws and 
forgotten past resurface and any semblance of perfection is pulverized. Uh, so this is told in alternating chapters. And so by seeing both sides of the story, you're not really sure like who exactly to trust, which is really interesting. Um, Karen Perry is the pen name for the writing team of Karen Gillette and Paul Perry. And this is set in a university in contemporary Ireland. And speaking of Ireland, the uh, like favorite author of ours, Tana French, has actually read these and is a fan of theirs and says uh, that this book explores emotional danger with relentless surgical accuracy. Uh, so again, that is Girl Unknown by Karen Perry. And thanks so much for sponsoring this episode. Oh, oh, you had me a ton of French as a fan. There's another one to add to my list. Gosh darn it. <laughs> well, that one you can blame ton of French for because... <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> Yes, and I just so you know, I am currently downloading 40 Acres on audio from Hoopla as we speak. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, I'm I'm very excited for you to read this book because I need to talk to someone about it because like like full on spoiler talk about it. Like I'm gonna, I was thinking like as I was finishing this book, I'm like, oh god, I need to message me and Slack about this book because I have a lot of thoughts and feelings I need to talk about. Okay, yes, I may, you know what, I may just postpone the last disc and a half of my current audiobook and be like, you know what, we're just going to listen to this like right now. So, okay. So I'm going to uh, talk about some of the new releases that are coming out for the first oh, week and a half or so of February. Uh, the first one that I want to talk about uh, is The Graves of Fine and Private Place by Alan Bradley. And the release date for that is February 1st, which should be tomorrow or yesterday if you're listening to this on Friday. It comes out February 1st, which is a Thursday, is what I'm trying to say. But this is the ninth book in the Flavia Deleuze series. Um, the if the first book in the series was The Sweetness at the Bottom of the Pie, which a lot of which I know a lot of people have read. So this is book nine. And in the wake of an unthinkable family tragedy, Flavia DeLuce, um, who seems to be perpetually 12 years old in these series, she must have a very busy, you know, couple of years if all this stuff is happening. But anyway, <laughs> she is struggling to fill her empty days and for a needed escape, there, the loyal family servant, whose name is Dogger, suggests a boating trip for Flavia and her two older sisters. And as their boat drifts past the church where a notorious vicar had recently dispatched three of his female parishioners by spiking their communion wine with cyanide, Flavia gets very excited because she is an expert chemist with a passion for poisons. And then suddenly something grazes her fingers as she dangles them in the water. She clamps down on the object, imagining herself to be Ernest Hemingway battling a marlin, and pulls up what she expects will be a giant fish, but in fact what is in her grip is a human head attached to a human body. So if anything can take could take Flavia's mind off of her family tragedy, it is solving a murder, although one that may lead the young sleuth to an early grave. I cannot think of a better synopsis for a book than reaching into the water thinking, oh, I've got a fish. Oh, no, it's a dead body. So um, if you have not read any of the books in the Flavia Deleuze series, they are really charming, funny, precocious, very smart, historical, cozy mysteries yeah, Flavia is 12 years old. She's smarter than pretty much every other character in the book, knows way too much about chemistry and poisons for her own good, and she is just such a fun character. So if you have been following the series, the next book is 
is either just about to come out. Well, it will have come out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, no one's going to be listening to this on Thursday. But um, but yeah, so the, again, the, the book itself is called The Graves of Fine and Private Place by Alan Bradley. And then next on the list is a book that I have mentioned a couple of times, so I won't go into too much detail with it, but it is Force of Nature by Jane Harper. comes out on February 6th. And this is the follow-up to her to her best-selling book, The Dry, which came out last year. And in this book, five women go five female co-workers go on a hike, only four return. And Jane Harper asks us, how well do you really know the people you work with? And these colleagues are forced to go on a corporate retreat in the wilderness and they're not really into it, but they pick up their backpacks. They start walking down the muddy path, but one of them doesn't come out of the woods. And each one of her coworkers tells a different story about what happened in there. So federal police agent Aaron Falk, who is in the dry, was the main character for the dry, has a has a particular interest in the whereabouts of the missing hiker. And his investigation takes him deep into the forest. He discovers secrets in the mountains, a tangled web of personal and professional friendships, suspicion, and betrayal among the hikers. But did that really lead one of them to murder? And I mentioned, well, I remember mentioning this book on the show before, saying we don't really get a lot of mysteries or murder mysteries involving groups of coworkers, which I think is so interesting. And I cannot wait to read this because everyone who has read it says that it is just as good, if not better, than The Dry, which I absolutely loved. Um, so again, that is Force of Nature by Jane Harper, and that comes out February 6th. And then the last one on my list is a nonfiction book that could be, I'd, I'd say it's considered true crime, uh, but it's called A False Report, The True Story of Rape in America by T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong. And both of these authors are Pulitzer Prize winning journalists. And they tell the story of Marie, a teenager who was charged with lying about having been raped, and the detectives who followed a winding path to arrive at the truth. So in 2008, 18-year-old Marie reported that a masked man broke into her apartment in near Seattle, Washington, and raped her. And But within days, police and Marie's friends and family became suspicious of her story. Details of the crime didn't seem plausible. Her foster mother said uh, thought she sounded like she was reciting a Law and, Law and Order episode. And the police pivoted and went from investigating the rape to investigating Marie. And when they confronted her with her inconsistencies and the doubts of other people, she broke down and said that her story was a lie. And it was a bid for attention. She was charged with false reporting. Her friends turned on her. It was a mess. Then more than two years later, there's a Colorado detective named Stacy Galbraith who was assigned to investigate a case of sexual assault. And she was describing the crime to her husband and saying that the, that the attacker's calm demeanor led the victim to believe that the attacker had done this before. Galbraith learned that the case bore an eerie resemblance to a rape that had taken place months before in a nearby town. So she joined forces with a detective who was on that case, and the two realized that they were dealing with a serial rapist. Um, he photographed his victims, threatened to release the images online, and took calculated steps to erase all physical evidence, um, which suggested that he might be a soldier or a cop, someone who was 
familiar with the procedure of investigating these types of crimes. Through meticulous police work, the detectives would eventually connect the rapist to other attacks in Colorado and beyond. So this is a tale of doubt, lies, hunt for justice, all the stuff that you expect from true crime, but it's also really a disturbing reality of how sexual assault is investigated today and the long history of skepticism towards rape victims. Um, This, I mean, I've would have to say that this comes with a bunch of trigger warnings about sexual assault and rape, um, especially because it is because it is a not work of nonfiction. But it also sounds like a book that might be a good read alike if you read and enjoyed slash were enraged by Missoula by John Krakauer. Uh, this sounds like a book that would that would definitely touch on a lot of similar subject matter. Uh, but again, that is A False Report, A True Story of Rape in America by T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong. Oh, that sounds so interesting. I definitely that that last one is definitely one I need to put on my list. Yeah, I have I have an advanced copy of it sitting on my desk at work somewhere. I've got to, I've got to dig that one out and add it to my list. <laughs> All right. Uh, so to wrap things up, we'll talk really quickly about uh, what we've recently been reading and what we plan on reading soon. Um, so besides reading 40 Acres, I ended up reading uh, The Widows of Malabar Hill by Sujatha Masi, which we've talked about multiple times on this episode, especially Katie, because Katie's been raving about it for months now <laughs> because she loved it so much um so i finally read it and really enjoyed it as well if you aren't aware this story takes place in 1920s bombay and you are what following this character named Praveen, uh who is uh the daughter of a respected family in uh, bombay and just uh, became the first female lawyer in india and so she the case that you're following is there are these three uh, Muslim widows who the husband has passed away. And so Praveen is basically dealing with the will and the estate and things like that. And she sees some things that are kind of suspicious. And so she goes to the widows to talk to them about the things that are in the will and whatnot. Um, and then through the discussion, it turns out that the widows weren't completely aware of all of the things um, that were in the will or that are available to them. And, after they have this discussion, someone ends up dead. And so Praveen is obviously aware at this point now that something's really going on. And so she looks into it and tries to figure out um, sort of who killed this person as well as like, is someone trying to trick these widows into doing something that they don't want to do and whatnot. Um, Yeah, it's just a really fun, interesting detective story. I think that if you like detective mysteries then you will really enjoy this one as well um obviously it has the unique perspective of taking place in 1920s india so you get a little bit about uh praveen being the first female lawyer and sort of the barriers that she has to deal with at that um it talks a there are flashback scenes in the story as well that talk about her in law school um, and the difficulties there and I found those to be really interesting as well Um, yeah the mystery is really great I didn't see it coming at all uh, the way things turned out I thought I was completely into uh, the way the story went down and so if you don't already have this one on your list after we've talked about it a bunch of times hopefully this time it will convince you to add it to your list and again that's The Widows of Malabar Hill by Sujatha Masi um, it just came out in January and this is going to be the first book in a series of books following uh, Praveen through, um, as she uh, deals with a bunch of cases 
And then um, the book I know for sure I'm going to be reading probably before the next episode is called Murder on the Red River by Marcy R. Rendon. Um, I don't know that much about this book. This is one I'm going into relatively blind. The reason why I heard about it is because Amanda Nelson, the managing editor at Book Riot, posted about it on her Instagram. And so I have the quote of what she put in her uh, Instagram. And it says, it's an own voices murder mystery about a Native American aged out foster kid who solves a whodunit. So I saw that caption and I was like, yes, I need to read this book. So I got it from my library as well. And I'm very excited to read it. And I will report back next time about uh, what it was like. Amanda commented on my Instagram and said she had finished the book that day and absolutely loved it. So I'm very excited to check it out because Despite the fact that it sounds really interesting, it obviously also has a lot of elements that you don't typically see in mysteries. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, that one's really cool. I have never heard of it until you just mentioned it. So adding yeah, that I one. Ne- to- Sorry, oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah, I was just going to say I had never heard of it either until I saw Amanda uh, post about it. It's printed by a small press, too. So that's obviously another reason why it wouldn't be quite as well known. So um, definitely look it up if it sounds intriguing to you at all, because, again, small press stuff always deserves a little bit more uh, promotion. Yeah, that would actually be a really interesting topic for an upcoming show, Small Press Mysteries. All right, we'll have to make a note of that. We'll make a note of that. Um, For me, uh, the books, in terms of books that I've finished, they're books that I've already mentioned on the show. I finished The Audio of Darktown by Thomas Mullen. It was fantastic. Um, I am finally finishing up the end of the audio of Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer after being, not finishing it in in one go the first time and then having to be put on hold for it because someone else wanted the book. <laughs> so I finally got it back again. I'm almost finished with it. Um, so I'm not going to go into into discussion about those books. Um, in terms of what I'm starting, so many of the books that I've had to read or that I've read recently have either been books that I'm like, A, I need to finish before, you know, before they're due back at the library, or I have to read this for different assigned purposes or whatever. So I haven't really had much of a chance in January to like really dive into, you know, books that I am like so super excited for. Um, That's changed with this episode with like five of the books that we've mentioned on here. Um, So I do have uh, 40 Acres downloaded, currently downloaded on my phone ready for me to listen to it starting tomorrow. Um, And oh, and and I have kind of an extra long commute tomorrow because I have an offsite meeting that's like an hour away. So that's even more listening time. I'm so excited now. (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) thank you so much um but i am i think uh i'm going to i'm gonna i have access to uh to a digital advanced copy of force of nature by jane harper so i think i'm going to be downloading that pretty soon same with um a book that we talked about on a previous episode, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, One Woman's Obsessive Search for the Golden State Killer by Michelle McNamara, which has gained a lot of unfortunate attention because, well, the author is the wife of Pat Oswald, and then and she died very abruptly right as she was finishing the book. And it's a true crime investigation of her search for this, for, for this serial killer mentioned in the title. And like I said, I won't go into too much detail about it, but from what I from what I've heard from other people who have read it, it's a fascinating true crime story, but it also incorporates elements from her own life, and it's a really f- interesting mix of 
of reporting and per, like personal memoir and it's it's dark and interesting but and tragic given that we know what what ultimately happens to the author but it's one that's been on my radar for a while and that's another one um it comes out later this month but again I have um I'm pretty sure I have access to in early a digital early copy of it so I think I'll be downloading those those two books um but again the second one was I'll be gone in the dark one woman's obsessive search for the golden state killer by Michelle McNamara all right. Uh, and that's our show. Thanks so much uh, for every, to everyone for listening to this episode. For our show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. We'll have links to all of the news stories that we talked about at the top of the episode, as well as links to all of the books that we talked about uh, throughout this episode as well. So you can check those out if you are interested. If you enjoyed this podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can discover us and come hang out with us and talk to us about mystery thrillers, true crime, and whatnot. Um, if you want, you can email us at redderdead at bookriot.com and you can talk to us about anything you want, really. Um, you can tell us about your thoughts on the Edward Awards or your thoughts on the other prizes as well as like any of the books that we've talked about here or you can you know recommend books for us or recommend topics for us as Katie had mentioned earlier um, we're always looking for you know things to talk about in these episodes so we would love to hear what you guys are interested in as well um, if you want to find us on Twitter I am at Rincey A and I am uh, at KT underscore library lady alright and we will talk to you guys next time Bye. Bye.